0: Fantasy Focus! That's my horrible intro to the show, but the show is great, I promise.
1: Well, we don't know about that. This is Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's Thursday, March 26, 2020. Uh, we're doing this uh, over uh, a system where there's not a lot of sounds, but you'll hear me and you'll hear Tristan, and later on, you'll hear Kyle. Uh, he is Tristan Cockroft, the Sultan of stat, the winner of myriad fantasy leagues, Sitting there in his basement singing songs, eager to inform and entertain. Somewhere we see Kyle Sopi pushing all the buttons, though. Since nobody's in the studio anymore, are there really any buttons to push? But he saves this thing, and he publishes it. He collects and reads your hash browns. We really couldn't do this without him. I'm Eric. We could definitely do this without me. Uh, on today's show, we celebrate opening day for 2020, even though nothing's really opening. Um, I'm wearing my Mike Schmidt Phillies jersey. Tristan has his Don Mattingly jersey and perhaps an old pair of underwear is. What,
0: what exactly? Oh, yeah. no, no, no. You're not throwing me under that bus. <laughs> I would never reuse the underwear. I'm not that, what is it, wear them forwards and backwards, inside out. and
1: <laughs> you, you would wash it first, right?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like probably five or six times. Got to keep on these fresh.
1: Kyle is texting Tyler, Tyler Choward as we speak, waiting for updates on velocity and command. I don't know what jersey he's wearing. I don't even know who you root for, to be honest. But um, he's wearing Bill- his Chatwood jersey. Right, I, that's it. Roddy right? doesn't have a team to root for. I he root for like, Chatwood, confirmed. But I'm a Cardinals fan. If we're Cardinals fan, going allegiances. I grew up in the Maguire era. We,
0: well, right. we all
1: did. Well, yeah, well, I stuck with them.
0: So I grew get, up in I grew up in the Albert Pujols era. I just wanted you to know.
1: Fair. He's younger than me. I'm more like the Stan Musial era. So you just pick out – I don't understand your fandom, Kyle. The Raptors for basketball, and for baseball it's the Cardinals, and you grew up where, like in New York? Yeah, upstate New York. It's just my – I grew up – Brett Favre was hot, Vince Carter was hot, and Mark McGuire was hot. So those are my favorite teams.
0: That's ridiculous. That's how I did it. Go back and tell probably... seven-year-old Kyle. Aren't you closest to the Raptors? I get that one.
1: Technically, the Raptors would be the hometown team from upstate New York, yes.
0: You have a little bit of a drive around the uh, Yeah, it's not close. Closest,
1: not close. Like Buffalo Bills. (laughs) No Buffalo Bills? My parents were Dolphins fans. They said, one team you can't be a fan of is the Buffalo Bills, so I had the the rest of the league to pick from. You were restricted from being a Bills fan. (laughs) Yeah, everything else they said was on the table. Oh, jeez. Well I, I hope you've all enjoyed our bay our show for today. We're done. That's it. We <laughs> talked about Kyle. That's the tease. Um all right. Uh, Tristan, do the the buzz sound, please.
0: The buzz. That's all right. no, that's that's the what was it, the buzz saw. That's the pitcher named the buzz saw, his nickname. Do you remember who he was? You remember who he was.
1: What who's the buzz saw?
0: Wasn't it Jeff Samarja?
1: That's his nickname?
0: I thought it was on the show long ago
1: thought so his nickname was, I have a high URA, but I get a lot of strikeouts. Um, so, Marge is a shark, isn't he? Yeah, he's a shark. Yeah.
0: Okay, then who was the buzzsaw in the show? Somebody's going to remind me. I'm, I've failed here. Big fail on my know. part.
1: We spent the whole pre-show talking about the Hamburglar. So, I don't even know what, <laughs> where we go from there. <laughs> it's, prim, it's not the Hamburglar. I, so, I mistakenly showed Kyle. We're all seeing each other here, but you can't see us. I mistakenly showed him my, my shelf. And I have two Gritty dolls, because Gritty's awesome. He's the second-best mascot after the Philly Fanatic. I have him, too. And one of the Gritty dolls is smaller than the other, and he said it looks like Hamburglar from McDonald's, but it's not. It's Grimace. It's definitely a McDonald's Happy Meal toy. That's where I was going. It's been a while since I've been Happy Meal age, so uh, sorry for I don't the think that's feature. true. I think... Uh. I think I think like your post-marriage meal was probably the happy meals at McDonald's, right? I mean, you're, nice. you're like 15 years old, little nice. older than 15, and I think 15 is probably too old for a happy meal. By the way,
0: we're going to define him as he's Grimace with the mane of the lion from The Wizard of Oz.
1: Sure, works for me. All right, so uh, Noah Syndergaard's hurt. Nobody knew about it until yesterday, but he's hurt. <laughs> so he he wasn't going to pitch opening day anyway, but um, he needs Tommy John surgery and. You know, on Monday's show, so every show we do now is another pitcher that needs Tommy John surgery. So I, there's a trend going here. It's really annoying. Monday was Chris Sale. Today, uh, Thursday, is Noah Syndergaard. Who will be next Monday's Tommy John oh, surgery don't. person?
0: No. no, 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 don't.
1: I hope it's there's nobody. Nobody wants so to. But if, so I wonder, I'm just bringing this up. It's, it may be controversial, but did he really need it? Or did the Mets, like the Red Sox, just say to themselves, well, this year's not going to be very good. We're not winning the World Series. We're only playing 60 games. Let's just – he needs this done at some point. There's been a partial tear for years. I mean, that's my first thought when I saw this. I didn't even realize he was hurt. He doesn't turn 28 to August, so he still has a couple more years, although I think only one under Mets control. Either way, I ask you, is there funny business here or – are other teams going to keep doing
0: this? I think it's possible, especially the longer the that opening day gets delayed. Uh, in Syndergaard's case, they explained it retroactively as he felt elbow discomfort in his final spring training start before everything paused. And I, I think they're looking at this like it wasn't going to be a full year anyway, so go ahead. Same story that we're seeing with a lot of these examples. Because I don't see a, an elbow issue in his recent future. And the velocity hadn't sharply declined yet that I thought that there was some sort of major concern. But I I, I hope this is not a trend. I, I do.
1: Sale versus Syndergaard in a dynasty league.
0: Syndergaard. Age. What,
1: what about for just 2021?
0: I would take Sale for just 2021.
1: Why? Because, I mean, Sale's not young either. I mean, obviously, Sale's older than Syndergaard is. But... It's not like he's having a surgery that much before Syndergaard. it's like a week if that. Right. So what what would be your reasoning here for for trusting Sales to return to what we remember as opposed to Cindergard?
0: I I don't have anything other than the gut feel, just being honest with you. I I think Sales performance before the surgery supported more of a short-term investment than Cindergard's recent performance. And the other thing too is that Cindergard did have injury questions in recent years that Sale didn't quite have. He had them, granted, last year, but I think a lot of this all ties together to the surgery. In Syndergaard, he has a whole list of things that availed him.
1: All right, let me ask you this, and this is also perhaps controversial. So Syndergaard, I think, is the hardest thrower among starting pitchers. Uh, Kyle looked it up to confirm um, over the past five seasons, and Joe Sheehan had it in his newsletter, Support Joe, Good guy. They're very angry right now on Twitter. But for baseball purposes, Syndergaard, the hardest thrower in baseball over the past, I don't know, five years. And Luis Severino is right with him. Nate Ivaldi, I'll read the top ten. Half these guys have now had Tommy John. Does this mean something or is it coincidence? Syndergaard, Severino, Ivaldi, top three. Luis Castillo, of the Reds. Garrett Cole, of your Yankees. You'll be buying that jersey tomorrow. Then Zach Wheeler, I'll be buying that jersey. James Paxton, Michael Fulmer, who's nothing now. Mike Fulton-Nevich, who might not be anything. Reynaldo Lopez, I don't want him. Is there a correlation here between the hardest throwers and eventual Tommy John surgery? Or is it just every pitcher eventually gets it anyway?
0: Why is it the first thing that speaks to me from that, 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 <laughs> that question was, are you really going to buy the Zach Wheeler jersey? We shall not, see there.
1: I'm not going to do that.
0: I didn't think so. <laughs> um, I feel like there is something here, and part of that, returns to yours and my discussion about this very topic when there was a rash of Tommy John surgeries several years ago it might have been 2 or 3 years ago where the hard throwers in the game were succumbing to this kind of surgery. I think it might have been around the point that Matt Harvey had his. I think there might be something to it. Um just as is, you said,
1: is this actionable? If you've got Garrett Cole in a dynasty league right now, there's no way you're trading him. He's the number one starting pitcher. But He's never had Tommy John. And Luis Castillo, who we all rank as a top 20 starter, has also never had it. I mean, do you think about trading? I mean, obviously, you could trade Luis Castillo a lot easier, I think, than Cole because nobody wants to trade away Cole. Right? I mean, why would you want to trade away that guy?
0: Right. I mean, I think you could more easily trade Cole because everybody's going to want him. Could you trade him away at a deal that you want to make? No, I don't think so. Uh, That's my point, yes. Yeah, and and I agree. I I don't think that 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 this tells you anything in terms of racing to trade these guys away, especially in dynasty leagues. I just, you know, I don't, I, I I don't I I I don't have a lot to say to that other than you know you 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 just got to hope your guys are fortunate enough to stay healthy. I I I'm not dealing Cole away. Why would I?
1: I agree. I I wouldn't deal him either. Uh, all right, let's move on. But I mean, Steven Strasburg is also a very hard thrower. He's had it. Lance McCullers is coming back from it. I, I, I don't want to say like obviously we don't want to go go after guys who don't throw hard. We want hard throwers that get a lot of strikeouts. Verlander's also on this list, and he's been remarkably healthy with his elbow. So I, I don't. I, correlation doesn't equal causation. What's that term? I, I don't want to assume anything. So mm-hmm. it's just it's sad. We nobody wants to see more Tommy John surgeries because then we're we're deprived of seeing a great player for a year. We're not going to see Saylor Syndergaard this whole season. And next year is compromised. There's no question about it. They're not going to be ready for opening day, if opening day is even when opening day is supposed to be. By so the way, you,
0: you didn't pull Severino into the three-man rank between those.
1: Severino was the number two guy. I we, I mean, I didn't. And obviously, he's having his Tommy John right now.
0: But I'm um, saying of of the of contrasting the three for keeper leagues versus 2021, Severino, Sale, and Sendakut. Okay. Well,
1: I, I would – I still would have Syndergaard over Severino. Is that wrong? What what possible case could I make for that, I guess?
0: I don't think any one of those three is definitively wrong being ranked first for 2021. And I don't think any of them is definitively wrong for a keeper league either. I just personally prefer to place my investment in Chris Sale based on what he had done before. I probably would go to Severino second. I would probably go to Syndergaard third from a 2021 perspective. And long term, I would likely go Severino, Syndergaard, Sale.
1: All right, let's move on. We haven't talked any hitters. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss in the next 10 minutes before we get to the hash, brown, hash browns? Because, like, there's no news other than the commissioner saying he, he wants to play baseball this season, so I think it's a waste of time to discuss it. Um, if you're doing a draft is, now, we just...
0: It is going to be shortened, too. Well, it's of course. Shortened.
1: Of course it's going to be shortened. I mean, they're not starting until June at the earliest.
0: Well, I mean, Manfred himself just said that he hopes to play in May. I think that's wildly optimistic, but he did admit uh, that it, it 162 games I, is not practical at this point. So, but
1: like something that's been floated that I thought was odd is like they want to play more double headers to get more games in. Obviously, it's money grab stuff. Baseball wants money, but um, like I wrote about the Yankees yesterday. I'm doing this project, this project series. I forwarded it to you. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to cover all 30 teams until June starts, three a week. And I started with the Yankees, just you know, different categories. It's posted unbelievably. And you know, I was when I was writing about, it, I was thinking, and, and MLB covers did this for the power rankings too, talking about teams and uh, how the, the delay affects them. And they have we're all writing the same stuff. Yankees obviously with Judge with Stanton with Paxton. It helps them. It helps them if the season doesn't start till June. But my take is, why do we assume that those guys will, will be healthy in a three month season if they can't be healthy in a six month season? In fact, they're going to be worked harder in a three-month season in some ways. Um, You could say, well, do teams go to six-man rotations? Somebody else floated. Why not go to four-man rotations and have them throw more pitches? Like Stanton and Judge are not going to play every day. And if there's more doubleheaders, they're not going to play both sets of the doubleheader. So I wrote – I'm trying to be bold in what I'm writing. And one of my bold predictions was Mike Toclin going to get more plate appearances than both Stanton and Judge. The other one I'm sure you don't agree with. But I, I will get to that, too.
0: Um, we will. <laughs> what's, let's, what's, let's get into your point about the, about the schedule, though. I think that, that now that we're getting a sense of ideas here, it is relevant. Um, and I think at this stage, you need to dial back the percentage of games that even the most durable players in the game are going to play. We're going to see double headers in the new schedule once we get it. And that is going to lower the amount of playing time that players at the high end are going to be able to provide. And I think that's going to affect everybody almost equally across the board from the hitting side. So the first thing you think of is that if catchers had a playing time deflation, they're also going to get affected by this because catchers can't play as often when they're double headers. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be more likely we see rosters with three catchers on them, uh, which is not great for fantasy, but so be it. Uh, but you're right. I think... This is going to, if teams play guys like Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge more often, put them at greater risk of injury. And to your point, I think you're dead on that this doesn't really help them anymore. And that's why I'm not moving them up vastly in my rankings. Maybe I'm moving them up one round because they'll be ready for you on opening day. And I prefer to have the players ready for you on opening day. But the injury risk isn't gone. It's a valid point.
1: I did not move Stanton and Judge up in my rankings. I did move up Verlander. And Clevenger, yep. Because I think they'll be healthy for opening day. But if you're brittle, you're brittle, and you're going to be more brittle, I think, being pushed. All right, so let's get to the, the, the everybody wants to know. What did you hate the most about the article? The, what did the, I the,
0: hate? I didn't hate anything about it. I just, I'm the, ready the to challenge you on you. your bold statement. I love that you made a bold statement. I think, I, I will take that bet ton, ten times out of ten. A, a year ago. Did you
1: think that Glaber Torres was going to hit 38 home runs? There's no way you did.
0: 38? No. 35? Yeah, I thought there was a pretty good chance.
1: Oh. Well, 35's okay, but 38's not. Come on.
0: I I not Last year, in no way surprised me whatsoever about Glaber Torres. And I'll t- you you are leaning heavily upon the Baltimore Orioles split, which great. Okay. I, I know what you're saying, but the Orioles are still a part of the league. They're still a part of the division. They'll still be faced a lot. The Red Sox rotation is worse. He might make up some of the difference by beating up on them or the other teams that have gotten worse during the offseason. That's frankly, not even
1: it. That's not even it. I just don't did. think I don't think he ever profiled as a thirty five home run hitter. And I he think did. his underlying numbers show us that he's not hitting the ball hard in the air or anything. He is one of the biggest beneficiaries. Of the juiced baseball from 2019, Glaber Torres. I'm sorry. We,
0: we just don't agree on that. I, I know what you're saying about the metrics, that they didn't make him a premier home run hitter, but last year a premier home run hitter was a guy who was touching 50, not touching 38. Glaber Torres is a thirty homer kind of guy. I, I'll tell you this: we can talk about it for for our good old breakfast at Matt's or Lenny's or wherever it ends up being in a future year. I'll tell you this: I take you the I'll take the bet that the next guy of the two between Glaber Torres and uh, Miguel Andujar, who hits thirty five homers, is Torres. The first one, the next one. All
1: right. Look, <laughs> both statements aren't supposed to be obvious. Okay, oh, I know. I know. Do you have a I, bold? What's your I like
0: ball? I love I'm, I'm just saying that, that Torres' swing was crafted to go for power at the expense of batting average. And Andorhar's history was going a little bit more for contact. What changed in this game the year before he got hurt, got hurt was that he did craft for power without much sacrifice of batting average. But I, I think, don't think he's a pure power hitter.
1: I think Miguel is trying to hit a home run every time. I, I think he's Jorge Soler. Um,
0: I just don't agree with that, but I.
1: What's your bold statement there? for the Yankees? Give me a bold prediction. Because if I said Mike Talkman more PA's than Judge or Stan, that's not even bold anymore.
0: Gary um, Sanchez hitting hitting
1: two ten—that's not bold.
0: No, it's not. Um, bold would be Mike Ford is a very relevant starter, capable fantasy player at first base that he emerges. Bold would be that. I worry about Heraldus Chapman's slow decline in velocity, and while it doesn't panic me, I could tell you that Zach Britton is a top ten fantasy closer this year. I thought um, about
1: that. I did think about that,
0: but I, I think if we issue that, I, I like yours because you're you're trying to get at something you believe in the player's skill set. If we give a this prediction that Zach Britton is a top ten fantasy closer, it makes us sound like we're con- we're condemning Heraldus Chapman's season.
1: You know. If if you look back, and I didn't really do a lot of research on this, but there's a lot of players over the last five seasons whose top home run season was their first season. And I'm trying to think of other players like this. I'm not saying Glaber Torres is bad. He's going to be a shortstop second base eligible 10 days into the season. He has power. I just don't think 35 with a normal baseball. And I don't think he's hitting 300 either or stealing bases. So I think, yeah, he's probably a little bit overrated for fantasy. But my point is... There's probably more players than people realize that have their top home run season in like their first or second season. And then they settle into a decent career. And I'm going to come up with a list for you and figure that out. And maybe for the next show, let's move on from the Yankees um, because tomorrow is the Rays, And then I don't know what I'm doing after that. There must be something else we can discuss. Um, Anything else you'd like to discuss?
0: Yeah, we, we, we dug a little bit into that, that schedule scenario for, for people, which was a big one for me. Um, let's get to the six-man rotation thing, talking about pitching strategy. Why not? Because I think that's that's a, a pretty good point. There was that whisper about the Cincinnati Reds considering a six-man rotation in order to deal with a compressed schedule. Uh, would you adapt, adapt your pitching strategy based on what's likely to happen with the schedule?
1: If, if every team is doing that, then it, it, it devalues starting pitching – in comparison with the top hitters, it has to. I'm not saying Degrom and Cole would not be first round picks, but because the Mets don't have six starters, they don't even have five now. So not every team is smart, and not every team is going to do it. I bet the Mets don't do it. And as a matter of fact, I bet what they would do with Verlander is keep him on a five man rotation, but maybe like ease up other guys. Like maybe, well, or or Curry's not going to be on like a like a innings limit. I mean, look, I think the biggest change is going to be that young prospect starting pitchers like Spencer Howard, who were going to be held at like 130 innings, now can be in the five-man rotation for the entirety of this three-month season or four-month season, whatever we get. That's what I think is going to be the biggest change. So, like, I love Clark Schmidt, obviously. My two favorite players growing up were Bobby Clark and Mike Schmidt. But also I looked at his stats, and I like him for that, too. So the point is, Clark Schmidt could win the number five rotation spot for the Yankees out of this new spring training and make as many starts as Garrett Cole because they don't have to relax his innings. You know that could happen. Spencer Howard could essentially pitch as many innings as Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler. And Clark Schmidt, if he wins a rotation, and I'm thinking of others. like If the Pottery's thinking a, in, a, in a truncated season they can win, make Mackenzie Gore your number one starter right now. Or number two after Chris Paddock. And Mackenzie Gore is not on an innings limit anymore because everybody's on an innings limit. That's what's going to be the biggest change. You think I'm crazy. I'm looking at your
0: face. No. No, I don't. I I just – I don't want people to ignore what we discussed in a previous show, and that is in the event of a severely shortened season, let's say it's 80 games – teams yeah. might not want to spend the year's worth of service time and for a player like I mean granted it's the Yankees I get it but in the case of a Clark Schmidt and apply this to the other teams that do need to try to keep players you know under lower caps pers- you know their their own decisions their cap's not the league's cap uh they might not want to burn that year of service time You and I talked about this in our Sim League. We hate to see players who burn one game, and that's a year of service for us in our Sim League. That's the way the rule in ours goes. In Major League Baseball, once they make the decisions about how young players are going to have these years of service time applied, a team that's not competitive, I think, might be less likely to push a Clark Schmidt or a Spencer Howard to the majors. So I think this is going to come into... Uh, these guys become much more appealing options mid-season where there's a higher likelihood Spencer Howard is needed on August 1st because the Phillies are competitive and they're in the race and they need him and they don't have a cap on him. And therefore, he's a huge pickup and a great second-half option. But I don't know that they're better on draft day. I think that, that there's perhaps heightened risk to go along with that heightened upside.
1: So your six-man rotation idea would basically devalue guys like Anthony DiSlafani who are, are capable five-man rotation guys at the back end for fantasy, but if they're going to have a few less starts over the course of a four-month season, then that would be the issue with that.
0: Yeah, on teams okay. that have the depth to do it, which the Reds do because they have Tyler Maley as their clear number six. Teams that can do that can go that way, and the Yankees can get around what I described before by deciding to go with a combination of opener or, say, a Jonathan Loizaga as their five and keeping Schmidt in the minors.
1: Johnny Lasagna. Um, and then Mike King could be a part of that. Like, the Yankees do have some depth there. The Dodgers obviously have depth. So while all we everybody's talking about the injured pitchers and how Rich Hill could be, you know, in the first week's rotation for the Twins, they also could, you know, really be careful the Twins could be Rich Hill, so we wouldn't make as much as many starts. And, look, if you're brittle, you're brittle. So, anyway. All right. There's,
0: there's one other thing, by the way. Depending on what the timetable is when they get the schedule – is there a softening on the three-batter minimum rule? Why would there be? Because they, because the day that baseball decided to, to close spring training camps and halt the schedule was the first day it was supposed to go into effect during spring training. So there will need to be a day at which teams during the new spring training have to start practicing with that. If spring training ends up being a 10-day to two-week process and they make up for it by expanding the rosters for the beginning of the regular season – well, they need to relax that in the early weeks,
1: and uh, I, I think that's going to in such a minor way that's going to affect fantasy baseball. Really, I, I, I. First of all, rosters are going to be like thirty-five man rosters active, so you could have a loogie if you want on the roster, but like you're going to like devalue a, a lefty power hitter just because they might relax that rule. I, I don't see it. I mean,
0: it it's doesn't... the pitching. It's not the hitting. It's the pitching strategy. I'm curious about. Yeah, but how, how many
1: middle relievers are you drafting anyway? Not it's not gonna affect closers.
0: It's it's how teams approach the opener strategy and what's that what that means for the remainder of rotations and it's how teams approach the closer job. The the column I wrote talked about how I believe that the quote traditional closer is going to make a slight comeback.
1: I don't think teams are smart enough to change that. <laughs> I think they wanna I think managers are so scared of doing the wrong thing with their closer and that the media will just attack them that they won't do the right thing for their actual baseball team, most of them. And Joe Madden proved that, proved it last year. Everyone thinks Joe Madden is a genius, and he proved it last year with the way he, he just steadfastly used Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning role when he couldn't pitch. Craig Kimbrel was arguably the Cubs' worst relief pitcher, and he kept using him as the closer. You can't tell me that Rowan Wick wasn't better than Craig Kimbrell or any of five guys.
0: He was no Tyler Chatwood.
1: He wasn't. There was somebody coming out of that bullpen that was pretty yeah, darn good, yeah. Eric. Managers are scared to use – look, I've been watching these old games where Rich Gossage throws 50 pitches one day and 60 the next. <laughs> They're never going to do that again. They're scared that if one breaks down, you know, I mean, like if- even Tampa Bay with Nick Anderson, who could be more than a three-out closer, I don't see them using him that way.
0: My my point is in the early weeks, though, it might be opportunistic to lean on the middle relief, middle relief ratio guys and your closers at the expense of starting pitching and try to trade for your starters later. Because if there's a three batter minimum rule on opening day and it's a short spring training, I think we're going to see a lot of relief pitchers throwing an inning and a third at a time. I think the games are going to be divided up like that a lot more often.
1: All right, Kyle, let's bring you in now. Tyler, Kyle, whatever. Is that why you like him? Because your first names are pretty similar? Pretty similar? They're off by a letter. Like two letters. (laughs) They're not that similar. I think (laughs) you're off by a letter or two as well. (laughs) Um, Whatever. Uh, I'm sure we have myriad hash browns today. Uh, Let's uh, read a few. Hash browns. Yeah. (laughs) Is that better than elevator music? It's up there. Yeah, you gotta sing more, Tristan. Like, they can't see you dancing, but you gotta sing more. Like I, they demand this. They're not gonna listen unless we promote it. They're saying,
0: need "Hash browns, where the hash browns? We need hash browns. Mm, I'm hungry." better work. <laughs> Dan
1: chimes in on Twitter. He wants to know how you're attacking the shortstop position in an auction. Are you paying up? It's kind of a top-heavy position. I don't think I'm a like approaching any position in a certain way like there are tiers t-i-e-r-s for each position and i view it all the same way in an auction and a draft to some degree shortstop is deep there's no question about it about it so (laughs) i mean it's
0: i I don't he's in the raptors fan okay
1: let's talk canadian now um how am I approaching it? I don't think I'm approaching it any differently. I mean, let me look here at the list of the top shortstops. Are you? Like, th- does it matter? Like, do you approach no. positions in auctions differently than, like, a normal person would? I mean, there's your top guys. I- I'm fading Tatis at his current price. Like, how could you take Tatis over Tur- Trey Turner? Like, I can't. Um, well, I-, I guess
0: – How could you take him over him?
1: Maybe that's uh, a question. That, Do you wait on, like, the bottom of Tier 1 as opposed to trying to chase the top of Tier 1? In an auction, I'm just looking for the best prices and the stats to some degree. So I'm not targeting Trey Turner per se. I just better make sure I get my stolen bases elsewhere. But it's deep, but that doesn't mean I'm like – it's so, it's it's not so deep that if Alex Bregman or Trevor Story come in at a good price or they slip in a draft, that I'm passing on them. Yes, it's deep but I'm not passing on the top options at any position.
0: I think position scarcity is vastly overrated this year. Oh, the yes. only the, Well, it's especially so this year. Uh, shortstop actually graded based on projections as well as the 2019 player rated results as the deepest position in fantasy. Uh, third base, I believe, this year, looking at the pool itself and the projections is the deepest position, but it's by just a hair. The only position that can fall into the, the, the scarcity de- uh, description for me is catcher, and they just don't provide enough. Eric, you and I go on and on about the catcher pool and what to do about it. But I don't think you need to make any sort of adjustment whatsoever to any of the other positions beyond the fact that it can be a little helpful to get some of your stolen bases or a good chunk of it at either shortstop or second base. But there's a lot of options who can provide you that. Give
1: me a sleeper and a bus at shortstop for you.
0: Um... A sleeper at short would be Kevin Newman.
1: Newman, why do you, why do you keep like? I, I don't understand why you like keep him. So much.
0: cheap steals, doesn't hurt you in the other categories. I'll happily take the twenty steals in the bank for numbers that won't damage you otherwise.
1: All right, all right, yeah, because I've seen you get him in a, in a league or two. Um, who's your bust? It's got to be Alberto Mondesi, right?
0: No, I well, it, I haven't seen people. Well, I have seen some people treating him. Some people him. are
1: overrating him. I mean, Tatis is being overrated, but I won't call him a bust. He's awesome. Yeah, that's
0: the thing. I mean, Tatis, he's not a bust, but I'm not drafting him. Right. Mondesi, if, and I've seen some people drafting among the among the top 40 players overall. That's where he was last year. Why are you doing that? You didn't learn your lesson last year? Really?
1: Mondesi can't stay out. That shoulder is going to be a problem, and I don't know why Kansas City would push him.
0: Um... I think Tim Anderson could be a bust.
1: Well, obviously he's not going to bat 320. What did he bat last year? Some crazy number. He won the batting title, didn't he? 335 or something. But is he a bust given the price right now? I yeah, that's the thing. Like like, nobody's drafting yeah. him. When I was researching the Yankee piece, nobody's drafting DJ LeMayhew where I thought they would. He's not. He's not in the top 50 for most people. So he's not overdrafted.
0: So Anderson's like top 75.
1: Anderson probably a bust. Um.
0: I don't think he I just don't think he's a top 75 player if you apply the batting average correction to last year's stat line he would have been about the 105th to 110th best player.
1: Ketel Marte, I mean nobody thinks he's doing that again, but
0: actually he doesn't qualify though. But he's second base to your point about filling the middle. All right. I don't I don't think he's a bust either. I think he'll put up And I know you believe this. You think he's going to put up a decent year?
1: I do. I don't think he's going to drop off as much as people think. I mean, I see some sleep like Garrett Hampson to me. I just don't see how he's going to play. So if you if you think Garrett Hampson stealing twenty five bases, I think Kevin Newman's probably a better value.
0: Right. That's why I like Newman. I would throw Hampson because I like the player a lot. But I agree with you. The ADP for Garrett Hampson to me is it. not justifiable.
1: I don't. I don't see like. And we do this all all the time. We say draft skills, not opportunity. If a player is really good, he'll earn the playing time. But in Colorado, they have to play Ryan McMahon at second. They've got, they, I think they're committed to Sam Hilliard in, an, in a corner outfield spot. I don't see how Garrett Hampson plays. But, all right. And are you more likely to draft opportunity than skill in a truncated season? Like, you're not going to have as much time for the skill to shine through, right? I think if you have a job on opening day, it's a bigger deal now than it right. would have been in a full 162-game season. But I also think a team like Colorado that knows it's not winning the World Series might just say, I'm going to play Hilliard, McMahon, Raymel Tapio, you know, a, a young player, whatever, and see what they can do and learn and and give, give a young starting pitcher a chance and see if, if he's our guy for 2021. Well, if you're Detroit, I'm not saying you, you push Casey Mize or Matt Manning, but find out if some of these guys can actually play ball. If Victor Reyes is a part of your future, to name a terrible example, find out in a truncated season and don't waste any more time.
0: Kyle, I think, was it the last show you had in the notes, the question about uh, uh, how you're approaching draft strategy in a shortened season? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, tying to this point, I am going to be more apt to turn my roster over quickly and be a little bit more impatient the shorter the season is. You need you to ramp it be up. Right. You, because you're not going to make up, you're not going to make up the ground in the time that you have remaining. The whole point we say about patience attaches itself to a 162-game schedule where you have the time to make up ground right. and things settle to the mean. We don't have that luxury in a, in a short year.
1: I like it. Jonesy chimed in. He wants to know, Tatis or Devers in a startup dynasty league? Tristan, we keep ripping Tatis. Maybe we should remind people that, that, that are just joining the show for the first time what our, what our, what our concern is. With Fernando Tatis, because the number the numbers are outstanding. Is it all really durability in Babip? What is the what is our concern?
0: It's all really durability in Babip. Nail on the head with that one. Uh, it, we we have not seen proof yet, based on the fact that he is an all out player, and I love that playing style from a baseball fan's perspective. So I'm a very big fan from just the the raw game angle. But it puts him at a little bit heightened risk. It's the same story that surrounded Bryce Harper early in his career, and we've seen how that's played out over the past you know eight nine years. I think Tatis fits in that a little bit, but the Babb also needs some correction, so people are being too reactionary based on a, a, a limited sample from last year and overdrafting him as effectively a first-rounder in FBC. To me, that's a little bit too generous.
1: And Devers, we love. Devers made strides last year, looks like a complete hitter. I wouldn't count on any more stolen bases. He's not fast, but Rafael Devers looks like a cornerstone. Look- he he looks like a Nolan Arenado type. He's like a cornerstone third baseman for your team for the next not for defense. <laughs> no, we, we don't care about. It. He's not being moved <laughs> off third base. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're going to play Devers at first base and say, "Hey, here, are Michael Chavez or Bobby Dalback. here's third base for." You. They're not doing that anytime soon. So he can fake third base. Um, it's got to be. It's got to be Devers.
0: Who do you think I'm taking here? You? Yeah.
1: I have literally no idea what you're thinking.
0: I'm taking Tatis here.
1: Why would you take Tatis over Devers? If it's deals,
0: If it's a true dynasty, dynasty, uh, let's see. I said that dynasty was the one that was the true keep him forever. I'm going to go for the moon and take Fernando Tatis. And I love Rafael Devers. You know that.
1: I just think Devers is more stable year to year. I can see Devers. Fair. Devers, to me, is an Arenado type. But for years, you're going to get 30 and 100, and you don't have to worry about it. And Tatis, I think, to your comparison, Bryce Harper is really valid. Tatis is going to be Harper. One of these years, in the next five, Tatis wins the MVP with like 40 homers and 30 steals, and we love him. But one of those years, he's also going to hit 12 homers and steal 12 bases and, and miss half the year with injury. So I, that's my concern with Tatis. That he is Bryce Harper. That's a perfect comp. Oh, my God, what a perfect comp you just came up with.
0: Or he could be A-Rod.
1: You don't think that.
0: No, but I'm just saying that this is the lure, and I understand it, and I admit if I'm keeping the guy forever, which is 15 years effectively, and probably more, I'm taking the chance at getting A-Rod.
1: Wander Franco is A-Rod.
0: Well, yeah, but Wander Franco isn't part of this question.
1: How many at-bats does Wander Franco get this season? Zero. That's going to be my bold prediction. (laughs) Sounds like somebody's fishing for a bold prediction. That's my bold prediction. Is that a You're going to hate every one of my bold predictions, and that means that I did a good job.
0: What? 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 what But wait, that's the bold then.
1: Well, it hasn't run yet. I haven't even written it yet. It's running on Friday. But the point is, if my bold prediction makes you shake your silly head and say that's just dumb, then it worked. It
0: worked. worked. But but zero for Wander Franco isn't a bold prediction, is it?
1: I don't I'm think not predicting zero.
0: I'm not predicting zero. Oh. See, See? As I said as I said I I think the Rays are a really good team and I think there's a good chance they win the American League East and if they are competitive and it's a close race they might need him.
1: They will. All right, next. We can't give it all away.
0: I know. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. It's not it.
1: You can't give any of it away. I love the <laughs> I'm
0: telling you, I'm, I'll be checking these out because I like the format. I like this a lot. Oh, That's
1: why you're going to check it out. Thank you. I read everything you write. What are you writing anyway? Hot shot, are you writing this week? Come on, yeah. what are you doing?
0: I got a big column coming today. We're uh, taking the playbook and breaking it down into a nine-inning, uh, nine-section, uh, full, comprehensive guide to all of fantasy baseball. Part one is right. today. It's fantasy baseball 101. Really? Correct. I- yes.
1: I can't wait to read that. I should have checked the budget. I had no idea it was coming. So, you're such a supportive well, friend, Eric. I am a supportive friend. I know.
0: So Eric has heard about this great thing called fantasy baseball, and he really wants to get involved. So I call him. It's going to help him.
1: There you go. I like it. I need that you help. You win leagues. Look, <laughs> you win all your leagues, and I finish second. So something you're doing right that I'm just not doing. I, I'm going to read your Fantasy 101 and learn how to win my leagues. All right. <coughs>
0: <laughs> what do we got?
1: Matthew wants to know what you guys have to think about Zach Gallen, both for this year and moving forward. Yeah, he's getting drafted really generously on watching, right? I mean, like, you want to talk about a guy who, look, we think Zach Gallen pitched fine for Miami. And we were like, oh, okay, he's a nice little pitcher. He was not supposed to be an ace. If you look at his minor league numbers, like in AAA for Miami one year, like, his whip was like one and a half. He was giving up a ton of hits. He was missing bats, but also not missing bats. He was giving up a lot of hard hit stuff. And then he had a great like start to AAA last season. Miami promoted him. He did well. And then Arizona took him for Jazz Chisholm, who that's a really good challenge trade. But Zach Gallen should not have a K rate like this. He really that that K rate was did not match up to what I think Zach Gallon was expected to do. So if you're drafting Zach Gowan as a top 25 starting pitcher because of that K rate, I think you're making a mistake. Tell that's, me that's nuts.
0: No, it's not nuts. You're right. It was a little generous based on his past track record. But what I like about him is the elevated floor. The only thing I, I, I'm bothered by is really the walk rate. He's got to rein in the walks. But it's a great, especially it's really a four pitch selection he offers. But the two are great: the fastball and the changeup, and they provide great contrast to one another. That goes back to the whole uh, Felix Hernandez early career kind of look to me, where if a guy's got a great changeup that can completely fool hitters, Luis Castillo, a great example of another guy currently who fits that description. um, I'm intrigued because they're not going to hurt you; they're not going to deal with lengthy adjustment periods, and that's why to like Zach Gallen. But you know what? The fact that there was that that story brought up earlier in spring training that they might not even put him as their fifth starter, that they have other options and that they'll keep the service time in check. The Diamondbacks That's might scary. think about that now.
1: That's scary that, that, that it was even mentioned. People yep. are viewing Zach gown as like a number two or three fantasy starter. And look, he was going to be in the rotation over Merrill Merrill Kelly, no matter what. But was I he? just think people are running a little bit too generous on him. That's all I'm saying.
0: I, I think Merrill Kelly being chosen over Zach Allen is a very real possibility, especially now.
1: Is Zach Gallen like the pitcher version of Mike Strzemski? Like people just assume that this is gonna happen again?
0: Uh I guess. There's there's so much to like though. He's a great young pitcher, but the role is very much in question in a way that people aren't accepting.
1: All right. And and look, Miami trades away good prospect pitchers. They they had Luis Castillo too, didn't they? They traded yeah. him away for nothing.
0: Oh, gosh, who would they get for him?
1: It was a bad starting pitcher. Let me look. <laughs> While Kyle reads the question, I remember the trade. because I. Oh, at Alaska? Castillo. I took Luis Castillo in our, in our Sim League based on the fact that he had opportunity in Cincinnati. And I thought, it couldn't be. Is it in Alaska? It no. is.
0: Was it? Wow. Ooh.
1: It's Dan Straley. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> Dan
1: straley yeah.
0: Oh, and then we like traded. He was traded one, two, three, four times.
1: <laughs> he kept he kept getting moved. No, actually three,
0: three times. One of them was the correction of Colin Ray, who had the uh, right. Yeah. Boom. Wow.
1: Andrew Cashner is probably you were thinking of.
0: He was traded for Casey McGee and Andrew Cashner and Dan straley as the lead guys in those trades. Wow. What a
1: mess. All right, Kyle. What's what's next? Jay wants to pass the time. He wants to know if you can give him a simplistic rundown of what exactly a sim league is and if it's helping you during these times with no baseball.
0: Eric wins all the sim leagues, so listen to him.
1: Eric keeps winning the most regular season games and then losing in the playoffs. <laughs> so so obviously I'm a bad manager. Like, I don't know how to explain it. You and I keep talking about this. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. A sim league, you can play on Diamond Mind. Um, you can play on Out of the Park. Yep. Um, what other ones are there?
0: Stratomatic.
1: Stratomatic. Um, what's the, what's the one that Gardner plays on?
0: Uh, gosh, let me let me look that one up. I'll, I'll get you the name in a second. I forget so, the exact name.
1: The reason why we can play sim leagues now, people, is because most sim leagues, the stats are from the year prior. So we build franchises and we play out seasons based on last season's numbers. So I already know what everybody did. And, you know, like, in fact, I just took Sam Hilliard um, in, a, in a running draft now. It's like a, a an online draft, so uh, you have time. I took Hilliard because I'm not, not trying to win this season, but I want to see if I can catch lightning in a bottle. And my friend Jacob just texted me and said he wanted him too. So <laughs> the point is, like, I know last year's numbers. The Sim Leagues are going to have a problem next year, man, because yes. we're yes. basing it off of an 80-game season or whatever it ends up. But Yes, we have two leagues going on right now in Diamond Mine where we know everybody has their team. We drafted all our teams. I'm doing a bad job describing it. You, you do it better.
0: I can describe sim leagues better. By the way, the name of the other was Dynasty, simply Dynasty League Baseball.
1: Right, and that's excellent, too, with our friend yeah. Mike Zalinski. I've played that um, one.
0: Uh, both, So I, I know I've, I've gotten deep into the gameplay in Dynasty League Baseball as well as Diamond Mine Baseball, and I love the, the – ability you have to control the game managerially. It gives you the ability to to simulate a real game, uh make the same decisions that managers do. And Eric, as you said, it's based on last year's numbers, typically for our leagues. You can do it based on this year. That's usually what Stratomatic does. Um but yeah, we're typically playing off last year's numbers. And it's managing a bullpen, structuring a rotation, filling out lineups, mixing and matching your lefty righties with the hitting side. Uh and we do things ours is a thirty team we, get, we have 30 people in this, so if you get enough people, you can do that. We also have a 12-team sim league, but the 30-team mirrors Major League Baseball. We try to, to replicate it as best we can.
1: Right, and, and the point being that like just because Bryce Harper had certain numbers last year doesn't mean he'll duplicate that for your sim team because there's other factors that come into play. Your home ballpark, the pitching that he faces, um, you can play him only for a certain amount of games. So, like i I played my games in Philadelphia, so like a guy like Matt Chapman, who put up 35 home runs in Oakland is gonna might hit 50 for me because of Philadelphia's ballpark being different than Oakland's ballpark um, but anyway it's it's fun stuff and yeah it get, we play it every year you know whether there's something going on or not, but man next year's not gonna be as much fun <laughs> because it's gonna be a truncated season man I hadn't even thought about that but that
0: said not... if if we get a hundred games one thing you can do in a sim league is you can expand the playing time across 162 for our purposes, which we might do, but if we get an 80-game season, then the samples are skewed. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be a headache. All right, moving on.
1: Last one here comes in from Eric. He wants to know what ballpark food you guys miss most now that we're officially missing games. Well, look, everybody knows mine. (laughs) I mean, the three little pig sandwich – from the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, is my favorite ballpark food. And it's the AAA team of the Phillies. They do a fantastic job there at Coca-Cola Park. I was a speaker there last year doing fantasy stuff. And the ballpark food they bacon is their theme of their team. And every year they're voted, like, the best minor league organization. And I just – There's so much good food there, but the Three Little Pigs, which is a sandwich of um, bacon, ham, pulled pork, and sauce on like a hamburger roll, and it's really good. And I wish I had it right now, and I hope I get to go to a game this season there because it's fantastic. But what's And and you had a big turkey leg from there.
0: I did. I wasn't impressed. I liked it much better at Citizens Bank Park. Bulls Barbecue was better.
1: Bull's Barbecue is very good, and I want to get down to Camden Yards because I haven't had um, Boog's Boogs. Barbecue Um, in a long...
0: We should have gotten Boog's when we were at the Orioles spring training. I forgot. Did they have it? Yeah, apparently.
1: Well, like, I don't want to eat a big turkey leg like you do because, like, then I take pictures of you and tweet it out. And, you know, I'm more of like a... I'm more of a meat eater than you are. You had so many stains from that turkey leg permeating your shirt and pants it was like are you even an adult i, I was like
0: <laughs> this is the shirt this is the shirt that i wore when the infamous turkey leg picture from bull's barbecue was taken and i took it off immediately after taking that photo <laughs> nobody can see right now we're just doing. No, but I'm just saying. <laughs> i tweeted it out before we started taping
1: right and that was like your your photo and like your articles for a while right um, I,
0: I love the the, the um as you said, we, we do have to get to the Iron Pigs. That's a place I'd like to see food. Kyle, I see you. you, you I think you tweaked Eric's question a little bit, and then he said, what are we going to go get when we get to stadiums? I am going to attempt to get Eric to eat two out of the three fried Oreos that they give you at the Iron Pigs ballpark, just like I did last time. I completely conned. You have to get
1: him to eat two Oreos in one sitting as it is, and then fried oh. and big stuff. Like It's hard enough to get him to eat one cookie in one sitting.
0: Right here, winner. I did that. Thank you. No. Yep. You have
1: no proof. There's no proof that I ate, did wow. it. Wow. Oh. Yeah, tweet tweeted or it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly.
0: What's was in attendance with us who will attest to this. Do
1: you have any visual proof? By the way, my new schedule, I'm eating one Hershey's Kiss after dinner. A full one. That's okay. At least it's a thing. It's like it's a serving to some degree. <laughs> one Hershey Kiss post dinner. I'm more okay with that than the cookie routine.
0: Yeah. If you told us one M&M, I'd be a little Yeah, uh,
1: Exactly, or half I mean, an that, M&M. That would be serial killer-like. Okay, like. okay. Um, I think that now that we're talking food, we're done, we're done for today's show. Thank you. Look, I don't have any idea how many people are listening to this, but thank you if you are. Um, we're trying. Um, I don't know when this is all going to change. Just please be smart. Look at Look at the news. It's happening, people. If you just social distance, the sooner this will go away. And the sooner we'll get baseball and back to the way life was and and everything, stocks. I mean, come on, just please be smart and Mm -hmm. see what is happening in the real world. It's very scary, and um, I want it to go away. Um, We, I think we'll be back on Monday to talk about the next Tommy John surgery patients and any news we have and any articles we're writing, and the stains on Tristan's
0: shirt. You can't and... go without the chill voice if you're going to say Tommy John surgery pros- prospects. By the way, that you know, home. did you notice you, show. today you're what? the kind speaker? I'm always the kind speaker. It says right here, you're kind speaker, and I'm discreet emoji.
1: What does that mean?
0: I have no idea. Kyle, do you know what you are?
1: I'm a fib- Affable wires. Your
0: affable wires. Effable affable
1: wires. Wire, sure. I think kind speaker works. Discreet emojis, kind of like you know, off in the distance enough that it fits you.
0: Isn't discreet emoji kind of an oxymoron?
1: Yeah, the idea of an emoji is to be noticed.
0: <laughs> all right, kind
1: don't speaker. be a moron. Nice. Be safe. We're done for today. Thank you so much for listening. For Kyle, who pushes all the right buttons. For Tristan, and for Jackson, who helped set this up. I am Eric. Have an awesome weekend.
0: Everything is
1: awesome.